This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we work to keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact and life skills to be developed. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host, positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. Also mama to a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son, walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. You are in for a treat. This episode is part of a 10-part series where I'm reading from my book, Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey that was published in 2019. I'm sharing the book with you and reflecting on where it holds up and how the work has been expanded in the four plus years after writing it. If you're finding the series in the middle, I encourage you to start at the first episode, Joyful Courage Book Club, the intro, so that you can follow along from start to finish. The series is meant to be a resource to you and I work hard with everything I put out in the world to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Along with this series is a free companion guide designed to prompt you in reflecting on what you're hearing and taking steps to integrate it into your life. You can find the guide and buy your own copy of the book by going to www.besproutable.com slash jcbook. And please don't forget, sharing really is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot and post it on your socials or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families around the globe. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Hi. Guess what? We have gotten to part three of Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey. Thank you so much for writing this out with me. This has been so fun. And I'm really excited to just be here with you for another chapter. We've got three more chapters to go. And yeah, it just feels good. Feels good to be here with you and to be sharing and revisiting, really revisiting 
this book, this project that I had all those years ago. So the third chapter is called Staying Off the Emotional Freight Train. You know how if you go to a popular hiking trail, it is worn down and typically pretty easy to follow? It's so easy that you can have a conversation with your hiking partner, you can look at the trees and the plants around you, take in the beauty, and maybe even let your thoughts wander. It's nice, right? You don't have to think too much about each step. While hiking, have you ever looked around and noticed the game trails? You can really see it up here in the Pacific Northwest because the forest is so dense. The game trails are the barely there indents in the forest that indicate where animals have been and where they like to travel. If you've ever tried to walk a game trail, you know it's tricky. You have to watch each step carefully and think about where you put your feet. It becomes challenging to try to talk to your friend or look around at the scenery. You might even trip a couple of times, stumble and fall. You might even need to bring a machete to clear the way. But every time you choose to walk that game trail, you wear it down, right? You make it easier to follow each and every time. The more often you choose this path, the more familiar it becomes. I think you know where I'm going with this. And when you stop using the old path, it grows over and becomes a part of the forest again. When we try to learn something new, it's a lot like wearing down the game trail. Only we are creating a new pathway in our brain. At first, it can feel really tricky. You're drawn back to the familiar way. It's what you know. It'll feel like hard work to find your breath in the moment, to let go, to allow and be with your emotions. It's frustrating. It takes practice. This is what the final section of this book is all about, creating a practice that will help you notice the train as it pulls into the station and help you choose to do something differently, to choose a different path than the one that is worn down and familiar. And really, you feel like this, it's really not that helpful, right? We keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting it to be different. Time to do something new. This section is about taking personal responsibility for how you parent. It's about creating a practice to make this work sustainable. Sound good, right? We're on chapter seven, friends. And the title of this chapter is Be Willing to Let the Train Go By. Oh, buddy. (laughs) My gosh. Right now, it's not so much my parenting as much as my partnering that I am being invited into this work. I feel like I'm a novice again, a baby. I'm at the beginning of being willing to do this with my partner. Anyway, as I have mentioned throughout this book, a particularly challenging era with my daughter was when she was transitioning into high school. Again, I didn't really realize what was ahead. But at this point, when I was writing, it was transitioning into high school that was the hard part. Both of us were taken by surprise by how intense it was. After a couple of really hard weeks, I took her out for coffee after school one day and I asked her what was going on. And then I listened. What she finally said to me was, you and daddy and Ian, you're all so happy. And you, you, you're just so perfect. 
as tears ran down her face. I was shocked to hear that this was her perspective, and I told her so. I told you to F off last week. True story, not proud. How is that perfect? I said. She looked me straight in the eye and replied, yeah, but you always make it right. And then she burst into fresh tears. God, I can remember this like it was yesterday, you guys. I share this story to illustrate how we don't have to do the right thing all the time. (laughs) Clearly telling your 14-year-old daughter to F off in the heat of an argument is not something I would ever advocate. But there is always, always room for personal responsibility. And this is something that I take really to heart. I really take the personal responsibility and owning it when I lose it to heart. And to me, this is a practice. This is what we commit to when we decide to parent with joyful courage. We own our shit. We make it right. While our children may find this incredibly annoying, we still do it. And in doing so, we model a powerful life skill. That afternoon, I said to my daughter, making it right is not something I'm willing to stop doing. I am not perfect, far from it, but I will always take responsibility when I've been hurtful to someone else. She went on to let me know that sometimes I am ready to make amends before she is ready to go there. This was powerful information for me. I may be ready to own my own actions, but she may still be hurting and not ready to receive. Joyful Courage gives me the humility I need to take this feedback and let it inform and inspire my future interactions with her. So, I want to say something about this story because I've learned so much about this tendency. Like she said this to me and I heard her and I let her know I heard her. And even as I read this, I take this feedback and let it inform and inspire my future interactions with her. It was so hard for me to wait until she was ready to hear my amends. And when I really dig into that, and maybe this resonates with you when I really dig into that, It was because I was ready to move on. I have a really hard time when people are mad at me or hurting. Like one of my mentors called me the feel-good fairy. Like I want everyone to feel good. I want to move on. I want to move through. You know, I want to clear the air, clear the space and be done with it. And, you know, it's really kind of disrespectful because it doesn't allow other people their process. And I did a lot of that with Rowan when she was a younger teen. I just wanted her to be done with the mood. And it kind of a little bit became a place where she could weaponize that a bit. And she knew even more so than I knew that this was about me wanting to move on and not even really about you know, her and the experience she was having. And so to kind of, you know, poke me in the ribs a bit, she wouldn't receive my amends and she'd get super pissed and she'd say, I'm not ready, get out. And it was really, really hard, you know, and it's showing up again in different relationships. And that's just a testament to the layers that we get to peel back over and over again in our interpersonal relating with each other. We get to keep learning about ourselves. Right. And back to the book, all of this requires me to be in the moment and to be connected to myself, breath, body, balcony, so I can hear what my child or my husband 
is sharing with me from a place of openness and non-judgment, right? As we move into the final section of this book, I invite you to check in with yourself and explore what you're taking away so far. What is landing for you? What questions keep popping up? What is your inner voice telling you? Checking in like this is something we should always be doing. It allows us to be observing ourselves and our learning. It allows us to leave our autopilot at the door and to reflect on what is true for us in the moment. Sometimes when we are learning something new or just being humans and trying it on for size, we expect it to be easy. And then when it isn't, we get all up in our head about what a failure we are. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. I want to be super clear here. The goal with all of this work is to try to be better, to show up better for our children and the people we love. Never, ever is the message that if you aren't perfect, you're failing. 
If you aren't perfect, you're human, all right? Mistakes are a gift. Mistakes teach us so much about ourselves and they highlight where we can continue to grow and develop. You won't always remember to find your breath. Some days you'll choose to stay in your head and the conversation you have will be about your ungrateful little shit kids (laughs) in your head. The balcony seat will sometimes only be an afterthought when it's too late and it's okay. What I do invite you to do each and every day is to be reflective, to be responsible and to own your stuff because this matters just as much as doing the work to stay present, loving and available in the moment. And I really wanna emphasize this. I mean, I think there are people that are wired Well, we're all wired differently, right? Like I mentioned already, I'm really being challenged right now in my relationship with my husband. And the challenge is paying attention to my willingness to self-regulate before I open my mouth. And the challenge is to notice when I am expecting the external environment to meet my needs instead of being explicit with myself about what it is that I need and creating that myself or being explicit with, you know, my partner around, hey, this is what I'm hoping for tonight. You know, this is what I hope we can make time for instead of being super bugged later on when what I was hoping was going to pan out doesn't pan out and he was never actually let in on what I was hoping for. So, you know, I am a believer in really recognizing that we are a part of every dynamic that we are in. We are contributing to the dynamics that we're finding ourselves in, sometimes in small ways, other times in big ways, but we always have skin in the game, right? And this work, joyful courage, personal growth, development, is really about being willing to keep getting up when we fall down. I love it when Brene Brown talks about being in the arena, right? In these tight relationships that we have with the people that are closest with us, this is the arena, right? This is where we get to really decide who do I wanna be for myself inside of this relationship? What is this relationship calling for? I'm going to talk about boundaries in a minute, I think, but it's just a continuous spiral that we're on to keep learning and growing, right? Okay, next section. Control is an illusion. If you are a self-identified control freak, I get you. Parenting, for me, has been the ultimate lesson in how to let go, to realize that control is an illusion. What does it mean to let go? I have had a picture on the wall in my office that said, whatever you can't control is teaching you how to let go. Oh God, that quote. I should write it down. I don't have it in my office anymore, but clearly I need it. (laughs) I looked at this often and consider all the layers of letting go. This has been the biggest thing I've learned as a parent. In the end, if I control everything, How will they grow and develop into adults who can navigate their own lives? And yet, OMG, letting go is so hard. If I'm being totally honest, I thought I had the whole control thing under control. 
I really believed that I had dealt with it, recognized my own limitations, and moved on. And then my oldest sank into the teen years. Holy cow. Here's what I think is important to keep in mind as we learn to let go. Know how to fill the gap. When we hold on to control, we're holding on to something, even if it's an illusion. When you let go of control, you might feel like you're free falling, as though there isn't anything to keep you anchored. It's so uncomfortable, sometimes even straight up painful, because that's how it feels. And so we often snap back into our controlling ways because we're too uncomfortable not being the ones in control or not having that illusion of control. We're too uncomfortable. And so we try to let go and then we snap back to our controlling ways. It's just too scary, too unsettling, too unfamiliar to not feel as though we have it handled. And this is where we can choose trust, right? Trust is what we use to fill that gap, to support us in the discomfort of letting go. And really, I think the biggest hurdle with letting go is letting go comes with uncertainty, right? If we have control and that can look like, you know, being hard asses with our teenagers or just speaking our mind with our partners, there's something about that that, I don't know, that offers up this sense of certainty. Like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to be in charge of this and it's going to go my way. When we let go, we're also acknowledging and having to sit inside of uncertainty. Oh my God, uncertainty is the worst. I mean, it's not the worst, right? Because inside of uncertainty is the entire gamut of possibilities, right? There's a range of possibilities to every situation. All the goods, all the bads, and then like mass amounts of in the middle right? And yet uncertainty to us can feel really scary. So yeah, we get to trust. Redefining trust. We have to trust that our kids can handle hurt, disappointment, and pain. We have to trust that giving them space to do all of this will teach them that they are capable and resilient. We have to trust that our kids will learn from their mistakes We have to trust that the relationship we grow and nurture with them is enough. We have to trust that staying calm, taking care of ourselves, and avoiding the emotional freight train matters. I'm not suggesting we throw up our hands and watch our kids head down self-destructive paths. Instead, I'm offering you the opportunity to relax a bit and to remember that life's lessons can be powerful when we're able to get out of the way. And I think it's really slippery. I'm just going to add a little bit here. I think it's so tough when our kids are on self-destructive paths. I mean, post writing this book in the years that followed this book, my oldest was on a self-destructive path. It was really hard, man. It was hard. You probably heard all about it last week. I posted about it on social. She was on the pod last week and giving an update. She's doing amazing now, but it was hard. And while I didn't throw my hands up and just say, okay, peace out, good luck with your life, there was so much letting go I had to do because she was completely countering and, you know, just pushing against any narrative that I had for what 16, 17, 18 should look like, would look like, not even should, could, I don't know. And letting go 
was for me, it was giving space. This is where we're at. It was maintaining relationship and connecting with her. It was looking for the opportunities to have pointed, explicit conversations. It was learning her better and feeling her out more to know the good timing for those conversations. It was resourcing her and supporting her with moving through and getting some perspective on the destructive path she was on. So letting go is not passive, it's active, if that makes sense. It's not, I mean, abandoning, that's passive. That's what I think of when it's like, okay, bye, good luck, call me in five years, let me know how it all works out. You know, but letting go, we still get to walk beside them. We still get to be in relationship with them. Even when, you know, and I say that and I think of the kids that are like, I don't want anything to do with you and slam the door and don't, you know, don't appreciate our bids for connection. Even then we can still show up, right? And the relationship continues to be nurtured in how we respond to them. And what are the messages that we're giving them? right? And how are we holding our own boundaries? So yeah, letting go is no joke. I think I have other podcasts that are dedicated all to letting go. Let's put letting go and trusting into perspective. I'm going to share wisdom that was shared with me by my dear friend and parent educator, Sahara Piri. Sahara is a positive discipline lead trainer and has been working with parents and parent educators in the Seattle area for close, well, over 20 years. She created a visual that puts the whole conversation about boundaries into perspective. And I think boundaries is something that lives inside of this conversation of letting go and trust. And then I want to say a little bit more about boundaries. Kids typically come to us as babies, right? Whether we birth them, adopt them, foster them, not always, but let's just assume, you know, our kids came to us as babies and we hold those babies close. We nurture them, feed them, take care of them. We might wear them in a sling or a baby carrier. As they grow into toddlers, we keep their environment safe, putting away things that could hurt them. We allow them more room to explore while keeping a watchful eye. We watch them navigating the world, trusting that with practice, they will find strength in those wobbly legs and eventually learn to go up and down the stairs. We give our preschoolers even more space while still under our supervision. They may learn to use more tools, explore a little further out into the yard. We offer them trust and encouragement as they wave to us from the top of the big slide on the playground. We may catch our breath, but we know it's important for them to know what they can do and to begin to trust their own judgment. As our children move into the school age years, we look for opportunities to teach, model, and practice the life skills with them. We support them in problem solving with friends and siblings. We love them through their losses and celebrate with them through their wins, trusting that they will hear the message around the importance of, doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. The middle school years take our children out of our protective cocoon. They move into a new era and they may not always share with us what's going on. Ugh, it's the worst, right? It is hard and appropriate. Self-awareness becomes ever more present and might look like self-consciousness, that's for sure. And the perception of their peers takes on greater importance. 
If our children haven't invited us to let go yet, it often shows up here. And then our kids morph into something new. The high school years arrive. The boundaries we have set are still there, but they have expanded. Our teenagers show up to those boundaries with ladders, pickaxes, wire cutters, eager to pull and push and to learn from the experience of experimenting with where the boundaries hold firm and where they give. Holy guacamole. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. I know there are all sorts of variables in the timeline I just shared, where we live, family systems, choices in the kind of schooling our kids receive, but through it all, we must learn to let go and trust our children. I have learned that I trust you never to do anything stupid or risky does not make sense. And it sets me and my child up for failure. Teenagers are wired to do stupid and risky things. No matter how much we track them or monitor them, thank you, smartphones, like every generation of teens before them, including us, they will find ways to engage in the stupid and the risky. So what I now am working on and continue to work on is trusting that my children will learn from their mistakes. I trust that they don't need me to point out all the places where they're getting it wrong. This is really hard, especially when I'm emotionally triggered and feel a loss of control and want to point out those places to them. So I choose to practice the three Bs, finding my breath, dropping into my body, and taking the balcony seat to get more perspective. I practice letting go and I practice trust. Our children are on their own paths. They need us to create boundaries and guidelines, yes, 
but they also need us to give them room to explore the world. And they need us to stay calm and not freak out when they inevitably screw up. Our children need us to choose in to our practice. Yeah, there you go. Chapter seven, be willing to let the train go by, right? So letting go, trusting, and you know, boundaries. I just did a whole evening around boundaries with my membership group just a couple nights ago. And we did a deep dive into a bunch of different relationships and how boundaries either are or aren't used. And in the book just now, when I was talking about boundaries, it was really like the line of what's okay, what's not okay. It's kind of like in the same ballpark as what are our rules. But I think boundaries are so much more expansive than that, right? Boundaries are how do I want to be treated, right? What's okay with me? Where am I saying yes when I really want to be saying no, right? Where's that wobble? And oftentimes when we're feeling a lot of resentment, which can happen in relationships, there's an opportunity there to look at where did I not set up a boundary? Because oftentimes that's what can result in resentment is, you know, Finding yourself in a situation that, you know, you're part of the dynamic. So you were a part of putting yourself in that situation and looking back and saying, okay, what could I have done differently? Where could I have set a boundary? And boundaries are so cool because we get to model what that looks like with our kids. And part of the conversation we had the other night, you know, we were talking about the experience of when our kids ask us to do something for them. And we just don't want to. It's the end of the day. We're tired. We don't want to drive across town to, you know, drop them off at their friend's house or whatever. And the conversation, one of the moms said, you know, I feel like I have to have an excuse for why I'm saying no. And it was such an interesting discussion around that because so many of us women have been conditioned to believe that, right? That we're here to be in service. And to say no is somehow being selfish. And then a funny thing happened. So I had this whole call and we just kind of explored that and teased it apart. We talked about how important it is, you know, for our kids to see us set a boundary and that we don't have to have an excuse. Our excuse can just be like, no, it's the end of the day. I'm home now. And something came up with my daughter at dinner that night. We were talking about something and she was talking about having to say no when somebody had asked her for her phone number. I said, well, you can always say like, no, I don't, you know, give out my phone number. And she looks at me and she goes, or I could just say no and not have a reason, just like you were talking about on your call tonight, mom. And it was so cool for her to have heard that and for her to remind me, like, this is exactly what we're talking about. So yes, boundaries as the container or the space that we're holding our growing teens in Boundaries also as how we're taking care of ourselves. And I would also like to say like boundaries as a container that we're holding our kids in, you know, that story that I shared from my friend Sahara. So it expands as our kids get older. It expands between 13 and 15. It expands between 15 and 16. It expands between 16 and 17, right? It continuously expands. And I got to tell you, when you're away from my youngest going away to college, 
And so the container that I'm holding him in is pretty darn big because he is going to be on his own a year from now. Did I already talk about this on the podcast? Maybe I did. Anyway, he's going to be on his own a year from now. I want him to have so much practice with decision-making without having to get in the way with my imposed rules, right? And of course, if you know he has a weekend where he's not showing up at home until five in the morning, we're gonna have a conversation about that. That doesn't feel safe. How is he communicating with me? But the idea that I'm letting go of curfew, I said it, I'm doing it. It's a declaration. I'm letting go of curfew and instead really allowing him to feel into what he's doing, you know, what he's got going on. That feels really good to me for him to be able to practice. So boundaries, you know, shift and change. They're not set in stone. Those boundaries that are the containment boundaries. What can be set in stone is like, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to not do? How are you willing to be treated? Right. And I know a lot of you out there, because I work with a lot of you out there, have kids that are pretty verbally, what's the right word? (laughs) Pretty awful. Right. And the back talk. And I'm, you know, it's not okay. Right. And what is okay is to be having conversations with your kids outside of the backtalk moments and say like, wow, things sometimes get really heated between us and I'm not okay with how you talk to me. Or maybe that's not the best approach. Things get really heated between us. There's a lot of emotion. And I know I say things that I don't mean. And I know that you say things that actually feel really hurtful to me. So can we come up with a plan on what we can do when you're feeling discouraged, I'm feeling discouraged? And that doesn't mean having this conversation, it doesn't mean that then everything's perfect and they follow through. Probably they won't because they're teenagers and they forget. And we go back to what's familiar. We go to that familiar path, right? The game trail is hard. The game trail is hard. So when we create a new plan with our kiddo and then the same thing happens over and over, it's because we're on the familiar path. It's beckoning. (laughs) It's hard to stay off it. It's easy. It's what we know, right? It might not be what is useful, but it's what we know. So keeping that in mind and continuing to come back to, oof, let's try that again. I want to be in relationship with you. You matter to me, right? And I don't want to say hurtful things and I don't want to receive hurtful language. So how can we do this? How can we make this better, right? What do you need? Oftentimes when our kids are in that backtalk and reactivity to us, there's a lot of hurt there. So that might be something to dig into a little bit, maybe some baby steps at first. Anyway, staying off the emotional freight train. Is that the name of the title of the chapter? Being willing. No, that's different. Being willing to let the train go by. So noticing, noticing when the emotional freight train is pulling in, doing your work, trusting, letting go, right? Remembering your own boundaries. Let that train go by. Revisit it another time. Take care of yourself. Breath, body, balcony. That's what I got for you this week, my friends. Chapter seven. Let me know what you think. Also, if you want more info on communication with your kiddo, uh, check out this week's interview that came out on Monday. It was really good with Dr. Letterman about... Nonviolent communication. That's what it is. 
We talk all about nonviolent communication and it is a really great conversation. I'm excited to dig in more. All right, have a beautiful rest of your week and weekend and um, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there. Don't forget, get your free companion guide to this series created to expand your learning and your own copy of the book by going to besproutable.com slash jcbook. I'm so appreciating you and I'm here to support you and your journey of parenting tweens and teens. Find me on social media or shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com to discover how we can work together. Tune back in on Monday for a brand new interview, and I'll be back with another solo show next Thursday. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes I'll wear my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.